Welcome to The Sisters Will See You Now, hosted by Dr. Keisha and Dr. Maya, two sisters and family medicine doctors. Each episode will shed some light into the world of primary care and answer questions people have for their doctors that they often don't ask during visits. We would like to welcome everyone back to the sex episode, part two. This episode is dedicated to creating and maintaining a good sex life. Um, And so a few questions that we commonly get are just with the basics, what is a good sex life? So I want to start here by saying um, sex doesn't start with intercourse or penetration. It should start with intimacy and touch. And intimacy and touch are a very important part of developing a healthy sexual relationship. Don't skip over it. In a new relationship, don't skip over the intimacy and touch to get to the good stuff. Uh, the And when you've been in a relationship for a long time, don't skip over the intimacy and touch that um, especially as partners age and have been together for a long time and might start to um, experience problems where sex becomes more difficult, painful, erectile dysfunctional, trouble with vaginal lubrication, intimacy and touch is something that never goes away. And so thinking about that from the beginning and continuing that throughout the relationship is something that you want to never lose track of. Um, You know, sex should be satisfying and affirming. It shouldn't be hurtful. Uh, It shouldn't be forced upon anyone. You shouldn't feel like sex is forced upon you. And if you're feeling like that, then maybe you should talk to somebody. You know, intimate partner violence is a real thing. Um, You know, consent doesn't go out the window just because you've been in a long-term relationship. Consent doesn't go out the window just because you're married and, you know, just because your partner um, said yes to sex yesterday, that doesn't mean that they're going to say yes to sex today. And so you want to continue to be having those conversations and talking about um, what feels good and what feels right and um, maintaining that, that part of the relationship. And that being said, you know, sex is part of a healthy part of a relationship. Um, So it is something that you want to try and maintain. Um, I think maintaining a good, healthy sex life is a question that we get a lot, especially from, you know, couples who have been together for a long time, um, you know, married for several years and, you know, you know, life can be stressful and you get to a point where, um, you feel like things really aren't maintaining the way, um, that they may have been in the past. And so often we get questions about how to maintain, um, quote unquote, a good sex life. And so would definitely encourage people that there's no one definition of what a good sex life is. And so whether that means that you're having sex a few times a day or a week or a month or a year is based on the relationship that you're in and your partner and having conversations about whether or not your needs are being met um, and that what is being shared between the two of you is enjoyable. Um, As we mentioned before, not every Sexual encounter needs to be penetrative intercourse. The intimacy and touch is very important. If you're not sharing that intimacy on a regular basis, that that need, desire for sex with that person kind of goes down. And so it's a lot of times it's important for people who have been in these longer term relationships to really reestablish that intimacy, the handholding, the kiss before work, the kiss when they get home from work, just to really establish and show someone that you're someone I enjoy spending time with. I think about you during my day and I'd like to be more physically intimate with you. Absolutely. And sometimes I think speaking a lot to the working moms out there who have a lot on their plates with kids and work and their uh, and their partner. Sometimes sex is the last thing on their list. But 
sex should be a part of the relationship. And so thinking about how can you make time for your partner in a way that is satisfying to both of you? Sometimes, you know, you got to schedule it like everything else. Sometimes it means you got to put it on the calendar. And I think that's also where those conversations about expectations come into play. You know, if one partner's expectation of a healthy sex life is once a week or once a month, and their partner's expectation is once or twice a day, then there's a mismatch. And one person is never going to feel satisfied. And one person is always going to feel like they're being put upon. And so having those conversations about, you know, what makes sense in the relationship, you know, that's going to save a lot of heartache and a lot of frustration later on. Yeah. And I, I feel like a lot of this episode in the previous episode was dedicated specifically towards, you know, uh, single people or couples who are having regular intercourse. And we'd also like to say that, you know, we, our patients and friends and family cover the spectrum of everything. And so there are a lot of people who are not interested in sex right now and who are, um, there's a growing contingent of people who are waiting to have sexual intercourse until their 20s and 30s. And that is perfectly fine. Again, no one should be forcing their sexual beliefs or attitudes onto you, do whatever you feel comfortable with, and that whatever you are comfortable with is not harming um, or making other people uncomfortable. Right. And I do have some patients who consider themselves asexual, meaning they're just not interested in men or in women. And that's okay. Um, and folks who are being abstinent just because either they haven't found the right person or for religious reasons, I want to, you know, embrace that. If that's the right thing for you, then that's okay. And you shouldn't feel like we live in a very um, sexual culture and you shouldn't feel like you have to have sex because everybody's doing it. I think it's a very exactly. um, personal choice and it's a very um, um, intimate choice. And it's something that, you know, you need to feel good about doing and having and consenting to. Yeah. Consent, consent, consent. Always consent. And then another uh, aspect that can certainly contribute um, to a healthy sex life um, that we don't necessarily always talk about is masturbation. Knowing what feels good for you is beneficial when talking to a partner about what makes your, your shared sexual experience beneficial. And so masturbation is not, again, it's not an inherently bad thing. You should definitely be able to explore and be able to tell someone else what makes you feel good. So, you know, Dr. Maya. I think it's also important to talk about what are some of the things that get in the way of a good sex life. And one of those is decreased libido. I have patients come in a lot, both sides, men and women, talking about just decreased libido, low sex drive. And I just want to first set off that this can be normal. So everyone goes through periods of more or less interest in sex and that, you know, and you have swings with that. But if it's becoming a problem, then you should talk to somebody about it. Talk to you about talk to your doctor about it. You know, um, a lot of times this comes when folks are busy, um, and you know it's okay to say no. Sometimes, sometimes you're really just not in the mood. But if you're finding that you're never in the mood, that's something you should talk about. It could be stress, could be anxiety, it could be depression. You know, decreased interest in sex is a big marker for depression. Um, also could be related to other health issues. So if it's, you know, not just a, a phase or a short period of time where the interest in sex is waned, but really gone down quite a bit, that's something that you should definitely be talking to your doctor about. Another question I get a lot um, from my patients who are having maybe low libido is hormones. Can you test my hormones? Maybe my testosterone is low or my estrogen is low or my thyroid is off. I get that a lot. And certainly talk to your doctor about it, but I will tell you that's almost never the cause. 
very, very rarely is it actually a hormonal issue that's getting in the way of the of libido. I'm not talking about function. I'm not talking about erectile dysfunction. I'm just talking about like libido and desire and interest in sex. And, you know, most often it's related to stress for both women and men. Um, for men, if you're getting, you know, normal erections in the morning, then it's, and, but you're having decreased libido, it's probably not a structural problem. It's probably not erectile dysfunction. Um, you know, for women, when they've got a lot on their plate and there's a lot of stuff going on, the interest in sex, like I said before, can go way down just because they're dealing with a lot of things. You know, men, some things that you can do to help your female partners who may have a decreased interest in sex and you know have a lot on their plate, do the dishes, put the kids to bed, do the laundry, you know, do some of those things to take stuff off of her plate. And then maybe she can be a little bit more available to you. Nothing sexier than sharing the chores. Let oh, me tell you. Absolutely. A man who washes dishes, it just doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> the joys of long-term That's relationships. Right. If I can go to um, bed with an empty sink. <laughs> <laughs> who knows? The, the world, world is your is oyster. So Certainly. Um, Dr. Keisha um, kind of, introduce the idea of erectile dysfunction. And I, that is certainly another thing that can get in the way of having a healthy sex life. It's certainly something that a lot of our um, male patients are concerned about. And so I, I would just like to touch on that a bit. But let's kind of actually define what erectile dysfunction is. So erectile dysfunction medically is the inability to keep or maintain an erection for penetrative purposes. And so, so that's what erectile dysfunction is. And so a lot of people come in with com concerns about penises and erections that actually end up not being erectile dysfunction. And so kind of where we talked about structure function before, if, if you as a man are still able to, you know, you're still getting morning erections or you're still able to masturbate, it's probably not erectile dysfunction and it might be more of a libido issue. Whereas if you're not able to really maintain any kind of erection, that's more concerning for erectile dysfunction. And so a lot of patients come in and they're like, hey, I'm having this issue with erectile dysfunction. Please write me a prescription for this medication today. And so I, I certainly understand the concern and the, the desire to want to fix it. But there are still other questions that need to go along with that before we can necessarily start you on medication. There's evaluations that need to be done. We need to talk about possibly whatever what other medical conditions you have that could be causing this issue. Do you have high blood pressure? Do you have uncontrolled diabetes? These medical problems can lead to erectile dysfunction. And so instead of just treating you with a medication that might not work, there might be other things that we need to do to get your health better under control. Certainly, it's a conversation you should bring up with your doctor. I personally ask it for my male physicals. Um, I'm not always sure if my patients give me a, a real answer if I ask them if they're having issues with, with erections. Um, I also ask patients if they're having problems with urination because prostate problems can also cause issues with erections. Um, and so if you're having issues with either one of those things, you should certainly um, tell your doctor. But if you are having morning erections, you are able to masturbate without issue, but when it comes to sex, it's more of a problem, then that can be related to problems in the relationship. It could be related to outside stressors, um, you know, and so if it's still, in, you know, either way, if you're having that problem, it's something that we need to address and you should bring up to your doctor so we can determine what needs to be treated. Um. Again, sometimes you have to get creative when you've got kids um, thinking about different places, different times, putting the kids to bed, getting a babysitter, showers, you know, and a lot of times with kids, 
it's thinking again about how do you be the intimacy and touch um, when kids are around. You know, one thing is you want, you do want to, um, you, you know, your kids are watching you. And so you want to not demonstrate sex in front of them, but you do want to teach them about intimacy and touch. So I think it's important for kids to see that their parents kiss and hold hands and are affectionate towards each other. It's important for boys to see how a man positively treats his wife. And it's important for girls to see how um, their mom should be treated and how a man should treat um respectfully treat a woman, it's important to see those interactions. And so, um, you know, thinking about demonstrating that for your children, you know, we grew up in a very um, sex affirming household and that's with having a, you know, a father as a minister. Um, We were given age appropriate books. Um, We, you know, questions were, it was okay to ask questions. We were taught about birth control. You want to raise your kids in an environment where they feel comfortable asking questions. Um, You never want your children to be pressured into situations based on ignorance, right? So thinking about, you know, when your kids are little, teaching them the name of their parts so that they are, you know, speaking honestly about, you know, their penis or their vagina, you know, talking to, you know, my kids ask me all the time, how come you don't have a penis? Where's your penis? That doesn't mean I show them my lack of a penis, but it does mean that I explain to them that girls have vaginas and boys have penises and they don't always look the same. Um, And, you know, teaching them about their parts and private areas and, you know, what's appropriate touch and what's inappropriate touch. I think one thing, you know, one thing that we do a lot is we especially with sex and sexual education, we focus on the girls and telling the girls to have boundaries and it's your responsibility. And, um, you know, you need to make sure that you have condoms with you and that you're taking birth control and really putting the onus on the female. And really what we need to be doing is teaching our boys just as much as we're teaching our girls, right? I've got three sons. I want to raise responsible men um, who are good husbands to their partners, to their future partners. And so that means teaching them about good touch, bad touch. It means teaching them about um, saying no, about not feeling, you know, not pressuring somebody to give them a hug if they don't want to. Um, You know, all of those things are important conversations to have with your kids. And it's, you know, and you should be having them before the school has it with them. Yeah. Don't, don't depend on your school, your, your schools to, to be the one to teach them. But more importantly, um, if you are not willing to answer the questions that they have, um, Google and YouTube will, right? That these, uh, the, the internet has, has tons of answers. Frequently they are incorrect or do not give the full information. And so I think it's really important, um, that when your children come to you with questions that you are willing to answer them. And that doesn't mean that when your three-year-old asks you, what is sex? You give them this, you know, very in-depth, uh, you know, sex 101 in, you know, you know, college level sex class. It's just, you know, it's what mommies and daddies do to make babies like you. And that's an okay answer. And your three-year-old will be happy with that. But as they get older, you can give them more information that's appropriate for their age. And also addressing, you know, Dr. Meyer brought up the idea about things they find on the internet. And one of the things that, you know, kids can find on the internet is pornography and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, teaching them that that's not real life, just like 
Fortnite, which kids are playing all the time and I try and keep my kids off of it, you know, is not real. Pornography is not real. And so, you know, you don't want to set people up for unreal expectations. I think your kids, but also within your own relationship, when you think about bringing um, pornography or sex toys or things into the relationship, they may be you know, positive and help you get uh, closer intimacy, but you also want to be careful about not setting up unreal expectations um, within the relationship and within, um, you know, your relationship with your partner. So that's something you want to be talking about. Is it make your partner comfortable or uncomfortable? How does it um, enhance or detract from the relationship that you're having with a real person? Awesome. Great points. And so that kind of concludes uh, the the main part of our episode today, but we always have questions from patients and friends and family that we like to talk about. Um, and so asking for questions about sex was incredibly interesting and we love the questions that we got. And so we want to address just a couple more of these. So one of the questions we get, get a lot from people is about um, vaginal elasticity. And is it one of these, if you use it, you don't lose it. And after I've had a baby, is it able to get it back to the way that it was before and all kinds of questions about this. So let's try and address this. So back to health seventh grade health class, uh, one of my favorite topics. Um, the hymen is that area of skin that would grow over. Um, and you know, back in the ancient times, they used to use hymens to tell if someone was a virgin or not. Please never, it's 2019. Please never use that as a way to test if someone is a virgin or (laughs) anything like that. It's ridiculous. Um, but so no, not everyone's is completely intact in the beginning. And so if you, um, if it were to be ruptured. ruptured, thank you. If your hymen was to be ruptured, no, it would not grow back. It's not something that you need to worry about. However, if you have gone um, a significant period of time without sex, um, it can be painful to get back into in, into sexual activity. And so I would certainly recommend that people take time, uh, foreplay, lubrication, all those kinds of things to kind of bring together so that the sexual activity isn't painful. Relaxation time and lubrication can heal a world of ills. A lot of questions about vaginal elasticity. Yes, the vagina can stretch. It can stretch immensely, right? That's how we get babies out. Um, And so, again, it's important for relaxation, lubrication, and time um, if if you're having issues um, with penetration. I would say the last part of that has to do with vaginal rejuvenation. A lot of times people, after they've had children, they're worried about, can they, quote, get it back tight? Or their significant other is saying that things aren't as tight as they used to be. And so Dr. Keish and I both know as vaginal rejuvenation is an actual thing. It is a process that's available, but neither one of us really comes across it much in our practice. And so if it's, you know, if it's something you're interested and concerned about, you know, you should certainly bring it up to your doctor. Um, and we can certainly do the research and get you in uh, with the appropriate providers. Um, another question I get a lot from my men, but also from some women too, is just about testosterone, um, feeling like it's low, how to naturally increase it. And so one, going back to the conversation we had earlier about erectile dysfunction, and libido, certainly low testosterone can be related to low libido and um, uh, erectile dysfunction. Though I'll say I do have men who have a testosterone that's on the lower end of normal who have a very active sex, sex life that is not you know, the lower testosterone level isn't getting in the way at all. Testosterone levels naturally decrease as you get older. That's pretty typical. Um, 
they're not supposed to stay up forever. You wouldn't want 80-year-olds acting like 20-year-olds. There's a reason we get older. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> yeah, scary, right? Scary. Um, but there are some ways to naturally increase it. So there are... Um, there are medications that can increase testosterone. That's something you should talk to your doctor about. You would want to monitor levels. Um, there are, you know, there are side effects to having too much testosterone. So it's certainly a conversation with your doctor. But some natural ways, um, one is just losing weight. So fat converts testosterone to estrogen. So if you have a lot of fat in your body, your body is making extra estrogen. So males, you probably don't want to be making extra estrogen. So first thing, if you're overweight, start thinking about how am I going to lose weight, um, increasing exercise. And as you're thinking about that weight loss regimen, lifting weights, making lifting weights a part of it, because that can also help, uh, help to naturally boost just your testosterone levels. Another thing that helps to naturally boost those levels is having sex in the morning, taking advantage of those morning erections. Um, that's when men do tend to be the firmest. And so that will help with sex drive and also tends to help um, with having a firmer erection. So take advantage of that. Also, real real quick interjection, Dr. Keisha, um, actually testosterone levels vary throughout the day and your testosterone is actually higher in the day, which is why um, men usually have you know morning erections. And so absolutely use that to your benefit. But really, it's all about being healthier. So drinking less alcohol, eating better, minimizing stress, getting some sleep, um, those things benefit everybody, but really they help your body um, process hormones and make hormones. Your body makes testosterone while it's sleeping. That's why it's higher in the morning. So if you're not getting good sleep, if you're stressing too much, uh, that's going to, too much stress is going to throw off your cortisol level, which is another hormone. Then your body can't make testosterone like it needs to be. If you're not eating right, you need to be getting the right amount of, you know, proteins and carbs and vegetables. Um, if you're not doing those things that are generally going to keep you healthy, then not only are you increasing your risk for diabetes and heart disease and high blood pressure, but you're also likely affecting your testosterone levels and in the long run affecting your sex life. So, um, you know, be healthy. Do some yoga for men and for women that might help your uh, intimacy and desire as well. All right. I think that brings um, our sex episode part two to a conclusion. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, please send us any questions you have. We love ask, answering um, patient questions. Um, and stay tuned for next week's episode. All right. Have a good week, everybody. Bye.